Welcome to SportsStats.ie. I'm Darren Kelly, of course, joined by my partner in crime, Killian Whelan. Hi, Killian. How are you doing, Darren? Good. After we've survived Super Saturday, we've survived D-Day. <laughs> <laughs> I know we often say this. We can fill a three-hour podcast today. We're not going to, but I mean, it was just, it was just a day. There was so much going on, on the field, off the field, everywhere, um, topped off by a, such a cracker between Galway and Kilkenny. Yeah, um, we might have survived D-Day, but some people didn't, as we're going to obviously uh, allude to shortly. But um, yeah, like, look, great credit, Darren. Um, great credit to Wexford Camogie. They, they streamed both of their games in Belfield, and I was trying to flip into that to kind of keep an eye on it. And that game was phenomenal start by Wexford, and then just Dublin took control, and, and uh, it really was a shootout ultimately uh, in the end. Um, credit Waterford then as well, that they they had their game with Clare uh, streamed also uh, in Cusick Park, and then obviously, you know, the official stream that was uh, taking place. Um, like a cracker, I, I, I'm not going to keep going in about the, the, the choice of game, but uh, definitely a game worth watching. I, I've watched it back twice already, and uh, I think, you know, if I'm doing nothing, maybe later on I might try and watch it again but I just was amazed at the, the, the again the skill and talent and everything on show um, but across the weekend Darren I've got to be very careful here because I, I don't want anyone to think that I'm elitist in any way you know you are looking at Galway and Kilkenny but there was some phenomenal play in the Dublin Wexford Waterford Clare games that, that I got to see and I would imagine that was the case as well in the, some of the other games too yeah, it was just a great entertainment. Even trying to follow it as well. I mm-hmm. guess we had the pleasure of being there, Kobe and Kilkenny ourselves. But I mean, the story coming up from Wexford and Dublin, Tipperary and Cork. We'll touch on all these as we go through the news later on as well. And of course, equally, the intermediate has plenty of drama as well. The junior, junior has settled itself down. We're going to be doing all that in the second part of the show. We have a very special guest for the opening part of the show as well. Killian and uh, harpist and singer Emma Martin will be with us, a mead woman living in Dublin. Gall now. She's written the song about uh, our best friend Sarah Carty who passed away from a rare form of cancer at the age of just 28. It's called Egonion, which is always there. We're going to hear it twice over the podcast today. But we're going to start off the show by talking to Emma Martin and that's coming up now. Now I'm delighted to be joined here in Sports Stars Camogie by a very, very special guest, uh, harpist and singer Emma Martin, who lives in Donegal now, originally from Mead. But Emma, first, thanks for, for joining us here in Sports Stars Camogie. Hi, Darren. Thanks so much for having me now. You're very good. Great to be here. Thank you. Well, the pleasure is absolutely ours. And just to explain why we have Emma on here today. Well, uh, Emma loves her camogie too, but also her close friend, Sarah Carty, who passed away from a rare form of cancer at the age of just 28, was also as passionate about camogie as any person in the country too as well. And I think, Emma, before we talk about Sarah first, that's probably one way she loves her sport, but especially camogie. Absolutely. She absolutely breathed camogie so she did and um, even when she was very very sick I know one of the questions she kept asking the doctors uh, was when can I go back when can I go back you know so she just lived and breathed it and it was a huge part of her uh, her life and all of her family's lives they uh, were really really uh, big time involved first of all in their club their club in Anakura and also then uh St. Kevin's Club, Dolphin Sparn, which is uh, where I met her when we were both playing there as team members. And it struck up a friendship straight away as well. I've seen some of, some of the pictures with yourselves as well. Tell us tell us about Sarah, like we mentioned her love of Kamogi, but tell us about Sarah, the person, or the person especially that you got to know over the last few years. Wow, it's very, very hard to put her into words. She was just the most incredible, incredible woman. Um, she... Made, kind of made friends with absolutely everyone that she met. She just had that kind of a personality that drew people to her. Um, she was full of life, full of energy. Uh, she loved going on nights out, like, you know, and she was, uh, especially down to Ryan's bar was one of her favourites. And she was great. She'd go and chat to anyone, like, you know, and just up for fun, up for a laugh. Um, she had uh, a great interest in very many things. She went back learning Irish you know, um, when she wasn't able to work full time due to her illness. And she started up a, a knitting club uh, with the some of the local team members when she wasn't able to play camogie. She always wanted to keep going. And um, she also started up a blog uh, to try and help others um, uh, 
who may be going going through the same thing as uh, she was experiencing. So her blog was called survivalwithstyle.com and it's still up um, and it's actually, it's wonderful to be able to read over, um, you know, her words and her experiences because she was, she was very funny and I think a sense of humour um, had a lot, to, you know, she, she was so funny and it came true in her writing even when she was experiencing very harrowing times, she always had a smile on her face, you know, so... She had a positive approach to just going to say with the writing as well as the yeah. uh, being the athlete as well. Um, Emma, I suppose, like, as I say, we, wonder, we have you on because you've lo- you wrote, written a song for Sarah and we talk about that in just a couple of moments. But I suppose, like anything, we talk about your friendship and everything with Sarah. But of course, it's the worst. One thing you know, nobody wants to hear for themselves, let alone for a close friend to as well when you realise she was sick. And yeah. um, it was a battle that she, she, she fought, but unfortunately wasn't going to win. Yeah, yeah. Um, we were uh, we were playing. Um, we were down a training one day, and Sarah said to us that she had a pain in her back. And you know yourself, we just thought it was um, she'd strained it from training. Um, but as time went on, it was getting worse and worse. But never one to give up. You know, she just went into full back position, <laughs> like she's still playing. Even though, um, even though she was in hardship. So um, one night the pain got too unbearable and her housemates um, brought her straight into A&E. And I think um, she was there for a long time and unfortunately she was kind of sent back home. And uh, within a very short time, she had to go back into a hospital again, into A&E. And they thought it was appendicitis, but unfortunately when um, they went to operate, they realised it was much more serious. Um, and it was a very rare form of aggressive ovarian cancer so um the thing about Sarah was she never ever wanted people to pity her she didn't want to be treated different she wanted to live life uh, to the absolute maximum to the best of her ability so um she always had a smile on her face and she she didn't want any of her friends to know how things were so we knew Sarah was sick but she was very slow to say how sick she was um which was an absolute credit to her and if you don't want me asking before we talk about the song too, did she know herself that when, you know, her life was going to end very young? Uh, yeah, I think she did, but she always had such a positive outlook and she was willing to try every new drug, procedure, anything under the sun. Um, so she was, um, yeah, she she didn't let on to us, but she she was um, actually a scientist. She was uh, worked in the blood labs in Tala Hospital. So I think she would have had a very uh, good medical background and a good understanding of how things were, even if she wanted to protect the rest of us from what was going on. And she kept that positive out there because we're talking you, to you here today, Emma. You wrote, wrote a song, Sarah's song, Egoni On, yeah. which translates as always there as well. It's a very touching uh, song. We'll be playing it at the end of the interview here as well. And first, tell me, obviously, don't tell me what inspired the song because we know what inspired the song, but how it came about you actually writing it. Um, I don't, I don't know what inspired me. One day, I it just came into my head, and I just started writing the words down. It it was, I don't know how it happened. It it just came to me, and I'd say within ten minutes, I had the whole thing scribbled down. Um, so I. I went to Sarah. I remember one day we were hanging out over in her in her house up in Dublin. And, um, you know, I said I'd written this song and it's I played it for her and she thought it was lovely. But I told her originally it was for my granny because it's a very hard thing to tell somebody, you know, so young um, that this song was for them. So she knew about it and the two of us were supposed to record it together. She was supposed to sing on it. But unfortunately, uh, Darren, she never got the chance but her wonderful um, niece, Holly Kavanagh, who sang at, at Sarah's funeral, um, I asked her to, instead to come and join me on the track. So um, it's very special to have her um, as a, another link to the Carty family. So um, so that was a very, it was a very special process, um, getting to record the song. And we launched it last Saturday um, in The Ferryman. And it's been an absolutely overwhelming response to it already so um we're just so happy that um Sarah's memory um is living on 
It is indeed. And I was just going to ask you about Holly, but you mentioned there too. And of course, uh, Sarah's love of Irish. You'd Kieran Evren in on the fiddle. You'd Luke yeah. Kenny in doing uh, the guitar as well. And of course, you did the harp as, as well as singing the song too. Oh, yeah. the, the, the reaction straight away to the GoFundMe page, and we'll include that up on on the um, web article accompanying the podcast has been great already. You've hit your initial targets. Yeah, and of course, yeah. we don't want we don't want people to stop as well because this is all going into, uh, correct me if I'm pronouncing wrong, first descents. You uh, yeah, you're, you're right. Yeah. Ex- you might explain what that involves. Absolutely. Yeah, no problem, Darren. Um, it's called First Descents and it's actually a charity I had never heard of before and before Sarah became involved. And um, most Irish people I've, I've talked to had never heard of it either. Um, it's a wonderful um, charity. It's, it's, I suppose, a little bit, you could say, like a retreat um, for people. Um, but they use adventure um, to try and help. So um, it's... It's for um, young adults aged between 18 and 39. Um, And what they do is they bring you over. um, It's all free uh, for the participants once they've applied and they've been accepted onto the program, um, apart from their flights. So they go over um, to, um, you know, some kind of a a beautiful house that they have. Um, Sarah's one was based in Mount Hood in Oregon. In the, in the States and they have doctors on site, they have chefs on site, they have um, instructors on site and just basically everyone is so friendly. They're all volunteers as far as I'm aware and they just give them um, the week of their lives and all the participants, um, you know, they, they, Sarah was always really, really happy but she was just buzzing coming back from her trip with First Ascents and um, she was saying that you know there was no pretense there was no mask that she had to wear um she didn't have to pretend to be happy all the time when she was there because the other participants knew exactly what she was going through um they they didn't use their names they had to all pick um a nickname so uh sarah's nickname was rocky when she was over there because (laughs) she was so strong uh so uh, that's what she chose and um as far as i'm aware she was the first ever irish participant so she really, really wanted um, other Irish people to get the opportunity to go over. And really, that's what we're trying to do is spread the word and hopefully raise a few bob to send somebody else over there and um, to have the wonderful experience that she did. And it's not only for um, people um, who are suffering with cancer. Um, they also have, um, I know ones especially for people with MS and they cater for um, other um, other illnesses as well that are very serious. So um, they're doing a lot of great work. They are indeed just their profile here, life changing outdoor activities. But you summed it up just very well too. And it's, it's even as you said there, I'd never heard of anything like this as well. So even just to make awareness for, because no doubt there's many people around the country and around the world that might be listening to us here that are suffering and just need an outlet too. That this could be a great outlet for them to try and put a smile back in the face going through a very very difficult time that a lot of us cannot imagine. Absolutely, and we were saying like you know if this song brings awareness and even one other person gets to go you know well didn't we do a great job like that that would just bring me so much happiness that um because that was Sarah's work that's what she wanted to do was to send somebody else so that's what we're trying to continue on well, we'll def- definitely will encourage people to get on the GoFundMe page as well. Just to confirm too, of course, they can hear the song Obscene Sports Stars now, but on Spotify, on YouTube, there's no chance to hear the song. We're just asking for people yep. to, to donate. And there's been great reactions so far and hopefully we can get more there as well and let people know about First Descents. Thanks so much, Sharon. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so the song is called Sarah's Song or Egonion. And um the words are, as I said earlier on, Egonion always there. And it's really a song about friendship and that even if a person can't be right beside you, you know, that they're there with you in spirit. And um, as Sarah said herself, it applies to so many different aspects of life. So, um, yeah, so I hope people really enjoy it and please God, it'll do some good. I, oh, no doubt they will too as well. Sarah's legacy lives on. It's a perfect way to finish up the interview. Emma, thanks a million for joining us here on Sports Dance so Kamogi. And with that being said, let's hear the song, Sarah's song, Egoni on. Thank you.
Stars because he has famous celebrities and I guess listen to him, Darren Kelly. Welcome back here to Sports Stars Camogie. I'm Darren Kelly, joined by Killian Whelan. You would have heard Emma Martin, the harpist and singer from uh, Donegal before the uh, break, and you heard that beautiful song Egoni on as well. Killian, as we're going to go through to base all the trivial stuff in the world of Camogie. Look, Sarah just loved Camogie and, you know, we don't often say that about some Donegal. Obviously, we have Amy Campbell and the Fair Green before, um, taken away so young, but well done to Emma and to everybody involved in making sure her legacy lives on through that song. Yeah, like, in fairness, uh, just reading up about Sarah Carty, um, you know, originally from County Wicklow, Anacurra, and, uh, you know, obviously immersed herself in, in Camogie there, but was to travel up to Dublin then uh, as, I think, was she a medical scientist or something? And, um, you know, got involved with the St. Kevin's Club there in Dolphins Barn, and she really seems to have immersed herself in the club there and really was into her Camogie. But the, the phenomenal bit I, I, I was reading about Sarah Carty as well, uh, Darren, you know, is that she was keeping a blog on, on all her experience through her cancer journey, which I think is a, a phenomenal piece. Um, seems to really been a, a phenomenal lady altogether. And uh, sadly, you know, taken to her uh, eternal reward a, a couple of years ago now at this stage. But, you know, I suppose she obviously left a mark on a number of different people. And uh, that's why Emma decided to write the song and uh, a beautiful piece in, in, indeed. And, uh, you know, sure, again, we think of uh, everybody that surrounds with Sarah Carty's family and obviously you know I'm sure while as I said it might be a couple of years ago now uh, since she passed away it's still uh, I'm sure something that's left an indelible mark because uh, she came from a very large family uh, the youngest of I think it was 10 or 11 at uh, down in Anacora I'm sure she's uh, still fondly remembered around there 
And as you heard there, we'll have uh, links firstly since uh, that survivalwithstyle.com blog that Gillian's mentioning there as well. We'll also have the song on again at the very end of the show, replacing my usual uh, musical outro today. Gillian, we said the second part of the show, we'll talk about the news. Um, I don't know if 15, 20 minutes is enough to get through all this, but we picked four things out in particular. And we're going to start with Bill Milani. Um, what a way to go out in one way beating Cork but after five years he stepped down as temporary senior camogie manager yeah and like I, I, I'm I'm shocked in, in, in one way Darren uh, because Bill you know has become such a huge part of um, the whole you know temporary camogie scene I, I think as long as I've been streaming anyway. I, I've been taught to Bill Milani. Um, I know he took a, a time out there due to ill health and everything like that a, a, a few years ago. But like, it, it, it's just, he, he was a man that was seriously dedicated, um, you know, minor selector. Uh, then obviously they got to All-Ireland Honours in 2016, uh, senior selector, and then became the senior manager in 2018. Managed the intermediate team at a at, at time as well. You know, like he what just was... Yeah. And like, he, he, he just was... I don't know. I just really had a great time for Bill because he 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 never shirked you. If you like, if you were down at a match and uh, but you wanted to have a chat, you'd always rely on Bill to have a few words with you. You know, and there'd be a bit of banter and slagging as well because he he'd be well able to tell me. Uh, you know, I said something on the podcast. Uh, you know, during the week and 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 to have a cut off me and like we only interviewed him here a couple of weeks ago and uh, again he was well able to have a few cuts off me at that point as well. You know, so like I I I think he's going to be a guy will probably see it, you know, somewhere in the game, I would hope again, I don't know whether he's the kind of man though that would manage anybody against his own county. He kind of strikes me as a guy that probably wouldn't uh, wouldn't do that. But I, I'm really hoping we see him uh, in some guys, whether he fancies himself now, you know, with, with, with a Camogie club team or something like that, or maybe he ventures into the hurling game, I don't know. But um, yeah, I, I, I was surprised in, in numerous ways because... It, it, you'd really feel for Tipperary, Darren. You know, the season worked against them. And the last couple of years, they've been so close on different occasions and it just hasn't fallen for them. And imagine you go along and you defeat Cork. You know, you can't do any more, really. You defeat Cork, though. You don't defeat them too often, but you go and you beat them anyway in a, in a, in a do-or-die match for Tipperary. And then, of course, Dublin go and rack up the score that they did, like, you know, against Wexford. So, you know, you just... I know people are saying, oh, it's great, you know, because now there's a, you know, it's opened up the championship that little bit or whatever. But um, I'm just disappointed in a way for Bill that he didn't kind of get to go out on, on a, well, it's a good high, obviously, defeating Cork, but maybe that he didn't get deserved to go out on Crow Park or something. Oh, yeah. And you think back in 2020 when they were denied their league final appearance too after beating Galway because of COVID-19. You mentioned there, but going out against Cork, like even McGrath with a sideline cut, ultimately the difference between the teams. But, I suppose with Bill too, like it's five years, a lot, yeah. a lot going on too. And if they'd made a semi-final this year and lost, we probably wouldn't be half as surprised as we are now because you'd imagine they would have tried to pick themselves up and uh, and go again and say, right, scratch off this year is the bad year, we can compete. But then again, the narrative we've been peddling out ourselves, Killian, is they temporarily been competing for four or five years. And eventually, I suppose, they want to go that step further. Like they haven't been in the semi final in 10 years until Bill got them there in 2018. But they just, 2021 last year was probably the closest they came with that game against Kilkenny um, in the league semi final, and even against Galway this year in the league again. And just, they just never seem to be able to cross that line. And going out in the group stages this year, as difficult as a group as it was, Bill probably said, you know what, I've brought this team as far as. As far as I can. Yeah, no, I, I perfectly agree with you there because I, I do think uh, this probably would have been the end of Bill's tenure anyway in, in the sense that uh, I think even if they'd gone on and won the All-Ireland or something, I think he would have probably called a, a halt on it because, you know, I suppose he's looking at the fact that he has been around there now the scene a long enough time at this point. So, um, you know, it, it, it probably was, was was coming to uh, to its kind of natural conclusion. So it's just, as I said, because he's probably been such a a big character, I think, in the Camogie game over the last number of years. That's probably where the surprise comes about because I I, I hate to lose characters, Darren. That's, yeah. the, that's the thing, you know, because uh, there, there, there are a few within the Camogie set up and the management teams, but there's one or two others that, you know, you, you'd love to give a little bit of a shake to as well in, in, in regards to, um, you know, 
realise what, what, what you're about and, uh, and and the opportunity to promote the game I, I, I think it misses one or two of them but look it's uh, look well done Bill Milani I think he, he he's risen um, you know the, 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 the value of Tipperary Camogie in the last few years and you, you just hope maybe a fresh voice fresh impetus there and uh, Tip might be able to drive on again be interesting to see what happens, but hopefully we haven't heard the last of Bill Milani Camogie wise anyway. But as you said, he won't be short enough for us anyway, whether it's the club game in Hurling Camogie or maybe another county might tempt him down the line as well. See, we were talking with Tipperary and Cork. Let's stay there. Like the days we mentioned earlier on, and it was Wexford and Tipperary, they were the big losers, and along with Antrim in the other group as well. The others seem to know their fate already and get knocked out of the championship. For Cork, you could argue it was a dead rubber, and it was a dead rubber on paper, but it seems to turn out to be a very costly dead rubber. And they lost the game. News has come out that Orla Cronin is not going to be around for the rest of the season. She hadn't trained the last few weeks. We're not too sure the full ins and outs of that. And Ashley Thompson, a verbal altercation with the referee Justin Heffernan after the full-time whistle gets a red card and now is more than likely going to be suspended for the Orange semi-final. Yeah, and I look, let's let's deal with the first thing first. It, it, I, I, I just wonder, did everything from last year catch up with Orla, Darren? You know, I just think the whole thing around the, the, the you know, being available for the final and, you know, just... I, I don't know whether it ever sat completely right with her. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I just feel that this year is probably something that she, she'll probably write off. And I'm hoping we see Orla Cronin back as well. Don't don't forget, Darren, and we talked about this a, a, a few weeks ago. You know, that suspension, as far as I'm aware, still hangs uh, with regards which to... Is whether ridic- which is madness, like. Yeah, absolute madness. You know, that there hasn't been a decision made regarding that that has to be done. And here we are nearly a year on. We're playing the All-Ireland Final in a few weeks' time and we still haven't discussed or decided the the, the, the punishment uh, for Orla Cronin from last year's All-Ireland Final. I, I find that bizarre in lots of ways but look I, I, I don't I don't want to, to, to sully Orla anymore I, I just think maybe everything just caught up with her Um, you know I think a bit of an injury and everything like that just I suppose she just seems to have had enough she hasn't been able to really um, how to put it get to get to the pitch of it I think this year you know only came back in around the league final time and uh, then was missing for another few weeks came back in I think around the Munster final and then it kind of you know scuppered again so look I just think Orla maybe needs to go away just refresh the body the head maybe as well and uh, maybe you know I'm sure she'll be pro- part of our club championship campaign and everything um, but I'm hoping we you know let's say we've one or two faces have left the Cork panel um, since last year I'm hoping we you know we don't see another one um, disappear down the tracks let's say because I, I think Orla Cronin is an awful lot more to, to offer um, to the other thing I don't know Darren I find that that to me is just bizarre I uh, like the match, the match is over. Whistle is blown, and you know, I, I really, really, really think that officials just bring some pressure on themselves as well. Because, um, and now, maybe don't get me wrong. Justin Heffernan would have to come on here and tell us exactly, you know, what was said. I, I don't want, I don't think Justin's going to do that to justify and that. He obviously felt whatever Ashing Thompson said to him was severe enough that it deserved a straight red card. No, Darren, it's not obviously a second yellow or anything like that. I think he could have. Maybe in some ways, just played it out there, Darren, in a way. Give her a second yellow, give her a red, and just mark her card and say, Ashing, didn't appreciate what you said, but let's over and done with, let's walk to the dressing room. But then given the straight red. But look, if, if it was something, you know, and I, I would have felt that Ashling has obviously left that part of her game behind. I think over the last number of years, she's become a real catalyst for this Cork team, mm. you know, has kept under the radar, let's say, as regards some issues and ill-discipline that we would have seen maybe back a number of years ago. I think she really is one of Cork's greats. There's no question about that. Um, I, I don't know. I just find, you know, she obviously wasn't happy with something. Justin Heffernan obviously did, and she let him know about it. And uh, it obviously was severe enough as he felt to give a straight red card. Now, What's going to be written in the referee's report will obviously determine whether she's going to be available for this uh, semi-final. Yeah, and the thing with Cork as well is that looking for Cam Heads, like Cork are into first team into an All-Ireland semi-final. Job done. Like it, mm. We always knew if they qualified, the tip would have a chance. And the tip probably would have had a chance anyway, even if Cork weren't qualified, because we know tip can up their game to take on Cork. But like sometimes you lose a game by a point, you might be frustrated at the end because you want to win the game. But like for a team that's 
on paper, is supposed to be the biggest challengers to Galway. Okay, Kenny obviously can put their hand up based on, on their performance at the weekend. You can't be allowing these things to, to, to creep in. It's, it's a worrying sign for the camp, you would feel. Whatever, but Orla Cronin, as you just touched on there as well. But now, like she's gone, Ashing Thompson could be gone as well. There's a couple of injuries there breaking up the half back line. Like Ashing Thompson slot back into the centre back the last day as well. And all of a sudden, now it's going to just put eyes and question marks in Cork's direction again, which is something they didn't need. They've been quietly going about their business in a maniac group that has thrown results all over the place. And they, they, Cork didn't need this, whatever went on. Yeah, I agree with you there. And maybe just maybe darn the whole element that there was a dead rubber game, did that kind of malaise set in among the among the heads of, of, of the panel? I don't know. I'd be very surprised if Matthew Toomey and his management team allowed that to happen. But, you know, Laura Tracy, obviously a big loss at centre-back and Thompson goes in there and I believe adequately filled that position. But, you know, Tipperary obviously were, were, were anxious to take the game to them because they had a point to prove and wanted to obviously try and qualify for the quarterfinals and the chance was still obviously there. And, you know, maybe Cork just weren't at, you know, full petal. And uh, maybe that frustrated Thompson. Maybe that frustrated um, a number of different Cork players. And as you said, they got involved in maybe a scenario that they didn't want to be ultimately involved in. But, um, you know, look, I'd imagine someone like Matthew Toomey, and obviously, Davy Fitzgerald have been around long enough now that the concentration levels will be, you know, refocused. There's an All Ireland semi final to play. It could be Kilkenny, and if they're without Ashing Thompson and a couple of injury concerns, then that could, you know, you're thinking of Brian Dowling and Kilkenny spotting an opportunity to get back to Crow Park if it was to be, let's say, Kilkenny or whatever. It could be Galway as well. Could be Galway as well. Yeah, absolutely. And you're like, you know, again, um, if that was the scenario, again, you know, like you don't want to be taken on Galway. Uh, whatever about maybe Kilkenny, and you might be able to kind of think that you know Kilkenny have slipped down the, the rank a little bit that um, you could take them. You don't want to be taken on Galway without the likes of Laura Tracy and Ashing Thompson. So you know, like I, I think there's going to have to be a little bit of bloodletting probably within the the Cork dressing room. Yeah, I would imagine it's been done. We're on, uh, you know, here on Thursday now. You'd imagine it's been done by now. You'd hope so anyway. And um, you know, just get the some of the dirty petrol that's uh, obviously within the system at the moment out and, and get ready for that All-Ireland semi-final. Yeah, they need to get themselves sorted out very, very quickly or could all unravel. Uh, as you mentioned, DJ, just taking the senior, Killian, we touched on some of the big results. Dublin were seven points down against Wexford, came back to win 4-14 to 2-10. Tipperary beat Cork, but not enough. Waterford hold out to beat Clare 2-12 to 1-12. That gave them second the group. Cork true already. Clare going into the relegation final against Offaly. And the other side, Limerick coming from behind to beat Antrim 1-14 to 1-11. Paul O'Hagan signs off in style for down against Offaly to make sure they hold their top flight status as well and we have quarterfinals down a few weeks Waterford against Limerick and Kilkenny against Dublin what did you make of it all as quickly as you can sum it up <laughs> um, I, I have to say I again you know I called the Antrim result because I just thought Limerick going up there I just thought that Antrim would have enough but I, you know talking to one or two of the Antrim players I think it just the last couple of weeks just seemed to have hurt them, Darren, despite the fact that obviously they were taking on, you know, Kilkenny and Galway. They just seemed to have suffered a little bit. Uh, they, you know, they had the run of victories at the start, a fabulous win down, obviously, in Offaly. And, and they just, you know, I, I think they're probably, they're a young enough side, although there's a level of experience there, that I just think it probably, it, it hit them a little bit, that they weren't able to kind of see, right, we need to park those results against Galway and Kilkenny because we probably weren't expected to win those games. They just couldn't seem to. And when Limerick seemed to get a bit of a run on them in Corrigan Park, they just weren't able to stop it. And I just think the gas ran out a little bit on Antrim. Um, you know, I just think getting up playing senior, the scenario where they have, you know, played, uh, you know, a league final, probably still rankers with them a little bit how they ended up by losing that but you know I just feel Darren that uh, it, it probably just this senior championship consolidate like at the end of the day they'll probably reflect back um, Lorraine Downs and, 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 and her team will reflect back on this and say yeah do you know what staying senior was was, was a huge achievement um, it would have been bonus territory I would imagine if they got to a quarter final um, and I still think there's a lot more to come from this Antrim team in the future yeah, two Ulster teams are going to be staying in the top flight next year. You can't rule out a third one yet either. We'll talk about that later on. Can I just say, by the way, Darren, Waterford, I have, like, you know, I, 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 I'm... I've often been, you know, vilified a little bit. Maybe that's too strong a word, but, you know, um, got to give them credit. 
They've they've bounced and uh, delighted that they're finally showing uh, the talent. I, I didn't get to see enough of the Clare game to be able to, you know, again, was it was it too big of a game for Waterford to worry about really, you know, that they, they, they were in control of the situation. Um, so, look, I... I I still think um, we'll talk about obviously the the quarterfinals uh, next week, but you know Waterford are putting themselves in a good good place, and uh, I have to say with the talent that they have, it's good to see. So I, I just want to mark it that I I am fully behind Waterford and and, and how they're obviously uh, peppering along there over the last few weeks. Let me cursing you down there now, Killian, for backing them. <laughs> but of course, like again, just as you say that as well, Killian, we will talk about more next week. Like Glimmerick's re- uh, resurgence has been amazing. Quiva Costello is there a player that can touch her in form in the last month as well. And that's going to be a quarterfinal really to look forward to, along with Kilkenny against Dublin. Um, we're not going to go through all the intermediate results now, Killian, but there was one story that definitely crept up on Saturday. Now, we're often accused here <laughs> by people in the Kabuki Association of stirring the pot. But, you know, when you ask a question, you expect an answer. Like, you know, and last week, we talked about Westmead having qualified for the All-Ireland quarterfinals. Uh-huh. And then by pure chance, happened to find out that their results against Dublin had been overturned. I asked a question to a prominent member of the Camogie Association. It was still no comment, but we did get correspondence since that there were deducted points in the disciplinary hearing. Westmead have been very, very quiet about this as well. And we know, there's, well, from we understand there's an appeal going on, so we don't want to go too much into it. But apparently they fielded an ineligible player against Dublin in the opening round of the championship. That was highlighted over the last week or so. The result of that contest was overturned. Westmead deflated or whatever it was, didn't manage to beat Leash last week. And Dublin have qualified for the quarterfinals and Westmead are out. Yeah, and... I, I would imagine it must have been deflation, um, Darren, because you obviously you're looking at Leash being in a relegation final and were able to draw with Westmead. Um, you know, I, I'd imagine if I'm Dermot Cahill, I'm a little bit disappointed that because this whole this whole thing could have been forgotten about nearly in a way because they would have been in control of their own destiny because if they'd beaten Leash, they would have qualified. So, you know, that, that like that's the that's the scenario there. Um that I, I can't imagine he's overly happy with. And maybe some of the focus just went a little bit on everything that happened. And I think Darren, there's a little bit of rancor down in Westmead about the way this came to light. You know, like we're, we're, we're talking about playing, what are we, round four or five? Uh, and then the, this is found out, you know, like it's it's case in point, why wasn't it brought to light after the end of round one? Um, you know, like, don't get me wrong. If, if Westmead have broken a rule, well, then they deserve, obviously, whatever the subsequent punishment of that rule is. My issue would be is that why was it highlighted, you know, probably, what, a month after the first game? Um, you know, it just seems to me it's a, it's a little bit sinister that it all of a sudden would just emerge. And uh, with very little hula then or anything like that, Darren, all of a sudden you're finding out that Westmead have lost their points by, you know, it just appear, it's appearing on the website. You know, it seemed to be very, very little information about it. It's all kept very quiet. I believe there is an appeal in the process that said we don't want to obviously scupper that. And, uh, you know, like, what does that do then, Darren, for, for the rest of this week? Westmead players, you know, Dublin players focusing on playing Derry at the weekend. An appeal obviously has to be heard before that. Where does that put both panels? How do you prepare for something? Um, it, you know, it's it's and you have to take Kerry to that as well, Killian. Because if Westmead did get their points back, they'd actually overtake Kerry going to second place, yeah, in their group. So it, it throws the whole intermediate setup all over the shop, yeah, absolutely. Sure, then, and uh, that means what the Kerry, Kerry would be playing Derry and Westmead, then would uh, would take on Mead, isn't that it? Wouldn't that be maybe the throw? Of, that's what like, it would be in paper, yeah, like, if, if yeah. It out like so, I, I this is to be this is to be done seamlessly, but um. You know, I would imagine Westmead are going to appeal. They're obviously going to throw everything at it. But uh, again, Darren, I would imagine they, they, they feel they have some strength in being able to do that because um, they must feel that they have a case. Yeah, no, as again, as only as we understand and we won't we won't stay in it too long because an appeal process is in there. But uh, an underage player is apparently what the issue is. Um, Westmead have lost their points. They're out. Now, correspondence to the Kamoki Association, all they would say to us uh, was that Westmead had points deducted based on a disciplinary hearing. When I inquired what the offence was, I was told they weren't privy to that information that was dealt with with the NTHCS or whatever the letters are. The one thing I will say, Killian, before we do go on, is look, the Kamoki Association have following their procedure. We're not having an issue with that. The secrecy of it, you'd imagine there'd be a bit more open transparency of actually what the offence is, like you would, you do get from the GEA. But for Westmead, if they think they have the case for an appeal, you'd imagine they'd be kicking and screaming all over the place uh, because 
you know, this is a massive blow for Westmead if they, they're knocked out of the championship this early. And after a year after you get relegated, they've gone down. Like, and just the point to make it is rightly or wrongly, you'd imagine they'd be kicking, but there's not a peep out of the local papers in Westmead. There's not even off the record, you and me couldn't get any concrete information <laughs> from anyone. Like, I could not imagine in Leash or Clare or Galway or Roscommon uh, people being quiet. We certainly know what wouldn't happen in some counties like Cork, for example. You know, you'd imagine that somebody would be kicking up a bit here to make sure that people are aware that Westmead, in their mind at least, are still in this uh, field, they're still in this championship. Yeah, now maybe maybe Darren, they're keeping it fairly stum and they want to keep it quiet so that they that they can focus on the K and don't want to rattle the cage or something. I, I don't know, but you know, from the little bit of information I was getting, they seem, con- you know, fairly content that they have a case and that they're, they're going to push on that. But as you said, why why not involve, you know, the media maybe to be able to, as I said, publicise it or something. It, it just, again, I, I just wonder about procedure and, and, and the, 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 how would I put it, the recognition of it or the, the you know, I don't expect... In defence, too, maybe it only came to light about the player, like you know. I mean, oh, I understand that, you know, but, so I, but, I, I, but well. I still mean, why, why the cloak and dagger kind of scenario? Mm. You know, why, why is it, why is it not being uh, talked about or discussed? Why can't you know there just be a simple statement as to what what ultimately happened and and and, uh, and that's it? And there's an appeal process in place. But again, Darren, here we are now. We're on Thursday, and we have a scenario where this game is on Saturday afternoon. I would imagine the appeal was heard last night, tonight, whatever, um, you know, I, it doesn't leave either panel. Uh, like if you're Dermot Cahill, you're, you're, you're um, Jimmy Greville trying to get those teams ready, you know, like and you're looking over your shoulder. But Actually, all five teams are affected. Because oh, of course, yeah. yeah, which he, yeah, yeah, yeah. All could be, could be affected. Like. Yeah. Well, look, as I said, if the Camogie Association don't want the whole thing to be, you know, are we going to be in a scenario maybe where these semi-finals don't go ahead on Saturday then because it's going to cause a, too much of a crux of, a, of an issue? Um, as you said, like if you're the dairy manager and the, the way the dairy season is going along, are you now looking at the table going, well, what opposition are we actually playing this Saturday? You know, like it's just, you, you, you're talking about they could be playing Dublin, they could be playing Westmead or they could be playing Kerry. You know, like it, that shouldn't be 72 hours, 48 hours out from a match shouldn't be happening. No, it shouldn't be. It's not ideal. Now, as things stand, which because Westmead are out of the championship, but they, they feel they've a case to answer there as well. And it just I'm just surprised at the secrecy of the whole lot. I just, you know, imagine if I, you'd be told what the actual offence was. But anyway... But you're darn, that, throws it all, that throws it all back to what we started the programme uh, with, you know, in, in mentioning, as I said, with Orla Cronin, you know, that we we still, we we we'd, uh, we'd, uh, we had a scenario handed out and then obviously it was upheld and there has never been anything about it. So, you know, I would have to question yeah, just maybe the way some of the uh, solutions are being followed, yeah. Yeah, and in reality too, if there actually was a bit more transparency, we knew what was going on, we probably wouldn't even be talking about as long as we have. You know what I mean? Because black, black and white job done, uh, moving on. Kelly, we, we better finish up this segment, but we cannot finish up this segment without talking about one big thing. And fair play, Ursula Jacob, finally stepping up. The amount of cowardly big grudgers out there, uh, just picking her solely because she's a woman and no other reason. She finally stood up this week and said enough is enough. And I have to say, first and foremost, Ursula, fair play to her. Yeah, fair play to Ursula. I'd be a big fan of Ursula and, and uh, you know, would have befriended her over the last number of years and, and I, I, a decent individual and the Jacob family are and I don't think she deserves it uh, in any way. I am, you know, we still have, uh, as you said, a uh, misogynistic kind of scenario within society, darn that, you know, you can't be seeing a woman doing a man's job. Um, Ursula Jacob, I, like any of these lads that have made comments about her, I'd love to see their trophy cabinets. I really, really would love to see, you know, when you consider what that lady has been able to... Uh, uh, put in her locker over the last number of years. You know, like, it, it, to, to me, it just beggars belief. Um, I believe Anna Geary has been at the, the the back end of it as well, and I think she called it out maybe a few weeks ago, although it probably wasn't as highlighted as much. And I saw, I think, a message from Shane Dowling, um, you know, on some of the social media sites over the last uh, 48 hours mentioning as well that uh, some of the online abuse that he's come in for over the last while has, has been fairly vitriolic. So, you know, let's focus on Ursula. Um, fair play to her for calling it out but the issue I would have Darren is the social media sites or the websites that are making money out of this that have uh, used the opportunity to oh some lad made a comment on Twitter about Ursula Jacobs so they turn an article into it then uh, to in order to basically load on so that there's more 
Um, I'm going to use the term gobshites out there, Darren, that uh, all of a sudden come out from under a rock and decide uh, to uh, just throw on board all of that. And a lot of these guys are from fake accounts and uh, so forth or whatever. But there's a lot of guys as well, as I saw locally here, um, there's been a couple of apologies in the local paper to a local GA coach for some comments that were made over social media and, and the likes uh, late last year. Um, people don't understand defamation. And, uh, you know, it's only when maybe they're going to have to be brought to court that they'll start to realize that uh, they just can't say certain things that they're saying. And I do kind of say to one or two people who are suffering that abuse, maybe you need to go down the road of bringing it to court and, and, and let's get this sorted out once and for all. Because I do think some of these cowardly gobshites get away with this um, uh, with this scenario. And I want to use a stronger term, Darren, but I just can't believe that, you know, a woman with the, history, <laughs> with, uh, the, woman with the history that she that she has, the talent that she has from the family that she has. Um, you know, like she's well able to get up there and talk about the game of hurling and is well able to pinpoint tactics, position switches, everything like that. And she's standing among some of the she's greats. A very good analyst. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just because one gobshite doesn't, uh, you know, like what she says maybe about Limerick or Clare or whatever county, I didn't mean to pick out on either of them. But, you know, he, all of a sudden, but my issue, my bigger issue though, Darren, there is those lads out there, and I think you know we're hit with it as well. Uh, we give, you know, the, the odd one I've got over the years, very very small. We're not a, at Ursula Jacobs level, thank God. But there, the the big issue I would have is that you have then these websites that are given a vehicle for these gobshites then uh, to be able to build on that then, and that's that's my my issue. And to come out then with a cowardly statement uh, to basically say if we upset. Uh, Ursula Jacob, we're truly sorry. What do you mean if you're upset? She had to come out on social media to call out the website and call out the, the people that made the comments. And, uh, you know, you're you're making money off it, you know, from hits or whatever kind of scenario. I, I just think that kind of method of media, to me, needs to be shut down and people need to start on following it, start reporting it, and, uh, you know, start standing up for men and women um, in, 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 in the current guise. Because, as I said, Ursula Jacob, All-Ireland winner, both club and county, um, you know, some of those lads wouldn't be able to even lace their boots. Oh, 100% as well. And these are just simple cowards looking for attention and nothing else. Look, let's call out GA crack here because this is the one that Ursula points out. 275,000 people actually was getting ready to unlike it on my Facebook. But I said I didn't actually like it in the first place. So thank God for that. Just because they put up some bits of information every now and again, which is normally taken third party. There's no excuse excuses for that. People are allowed to have an opinion. And if they want to be, be constructively criticise somebody's ability to do a job, let them go do that but to go attack a person solely and as prominent people in, in media as well with podcasts and everything else that sometimes have this uh, male, male only men should do hurling only women should do camogie and this type of shit come here do I want to have the crack picking myself and Killian for talking about camogie I would love you to see you try it because I would just I, I, as Killian would tell you I eat that up all the time you know what I mean Ursula Jacob is one of the finest forwards ever to play the game. She's a four-time All-Ireland winner, multiple All-Stars. I, you know, I couldn't, can't even keep up with the amount of trophies she has at the moment and was one of those leaders that brought Wexford so much success over the turn of the decade. She plays Camogie. Listen up. The exception of three or four rules, Camogie is hurling. Herself, Anna Geary, Amory Hayes, Elaine Aylwood, people like that, they know the game as well as any male and they deserve friggin' respect. If these preachers who go on there going on this, uh, give up with the LGFA or the Camogie Association if the women players don't get equality and rightfully so the majority of the times, that doesn't give you any excuse to be there, be misogynistic or putting down someone solely based on their sex. Yeah, you know and, I mean? and, and Darren, I always come back to most of these individuals have a mother, have a sister, have a girlfriend, have a wife. You know, I'd love to know what they're like as characters with those people in their lives, you know, that they think that they can come on then and just have a have a go. I, like, we often give out about referees, we give out about players, Darren, we give out maybe about people in the media ourselves and everything like that. But, you know, I, I just can't see um, how... I, I would take them to social media to, to, to have such a massive rant about it that I'm not just giving out about, ah, Orsa Jacob was wrong there. I'm talking about Ursula Jacob then because she's a woman is wrong. And sure, what would she know about Hurling? You know, like I just, uh, some, as I said, these gobshites that are, that are out there really need to be a little bit more uh, well-versed in, 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 in the people that they're, they're piling on to. And, uh, you know, Ursula, I know she listens the odd time, Darren. Um, we have your back. 
hundred percent were right behind you as well. And of course, just to finish up, Kane, those cop shites, you find out what they're really like in social media. The problem is they're too they're not brave enough and too cowardly to actually put their name or picture to who they are. Absolutely. At least what you call ourselves Jacob and all the rest I mentioned do it every week. So do Darren Kelly and so do Killian Wheeler. Not that we're comparing ourselves to them. It doesn't matter your sex, it matters your passion, your game, the game you love, the game you play. Ursula Jacob has done that as well as any male over the last 20 years. And I look forward to watching her and many more female um, analysts on the Sunday game or Sky, any programmes going forward, male, female. And I'd like to see more males in the camogie as well. I don't care. Once, you're, once you go talk about the game and you're willing to talk about the game and show the athletes respect, you deserve that. Kelly, we're going to go. We'll come back. We'll have a short final segment of the show. We want to look ahead to these two Glendinblex All-Ireland Intermediate Camogie quarterfinals uh, taking place in Port Leash on Saturday. That's coming up in a moment. I like listening sports stars because I like to listen to ladies football and ladies camogie. So we'll get back here to the final part of the show. Very, very busy show as it was, but we're going to go through these because it's a big day for these four teams as well, Killian. And of course, we're not going to uh, <laughs> go back to what we were talking about earlier on. We're going to talk about them as they're happening. Derry against Dublin, now a half one in Port Leash on Saturday, followed by Kerry against Mead at four o'clock. Big double header for these uh, teams. Some remarkable stories how they've all gotten here. Realistically speaking, I suppose, before we take them individually, there's only one team here, I think, that's our, our, our all-Ireland contenders, and that's Derry. Yeah, I I'd have to agree with you there, Darren. You know, like to just a run so far. However, I might have put Mead in a box uh, a couple of weeks ago, Darren. That I, I probably, you know, maybe maybe my comments. I'm I'm not taking any credit, but uh, you know, I don't know whether I, I might take the credit. It probably was you. <laughs> uh, yeah, flavor the month up in uh, the Royal County, and I'm sorry to a lot of my friends that are up there in that direction. And, uh, you know, I would have known me Kamogi a lot over the last few years, but I really thought they were dead and buried darn, you know, um, and they had to come out big and they saw an they opportunity. They the first three games. Yeah. Yeah. And that, like, you know, to me, um, you know, Derry and Mead would have been quite level over the years, I would have felt. And, uh, you know, that result, the first day out when Derry, you know, defeated him, I know it was up there, but like it was a 20 point to 11 victory. And, and I, to me, that was kind of saying, and I think I remember saying to you, oh, this Derry team might mean business this year. Maybe they've got their ducks in a row. Um, and then I was kind of getting worried about Mead when you see them then in Park Talton lose to uh, Wexford second team. And you're kind of just starting to worry then about, you know, where this Mead team rat, especially when you see Wexford go and lose the next day to Kildare. So, you know, now maybe there was something in the performance against Cork that ran Cork down in the in the Camogie uh, grounds um, at Castle Road uh, to, you know, fairly close. It was only a, 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 essentially a puck of the ball in it. Maybe something was starting to turn for them. And maybe, just maybe, there was a scenario that, you know, getting them to Rathmaline, get Kildare there, Kildare buoyed up, as we said, previous about the victory that they had had against Wexford. And, uh, you know, Mead put them to the sword. I still, though, didn't see them being able to beat Kilkenny. Beat Kilkenny. They absolutely left them out the gate. You know, an All-Ireland finalist from last year, I, you know, I wouldn't have seen that result coming, Darren. And, uh, like, that is a phenomenal result for me. So, I know you're leaning towards uh, asking me there about Derry, and I've, I've, I've gone off with a Mead, but I just want to put it out there. Seriously impressive last couple of weeks for Mead, and maybe there could be a dark horse uh, within this. Yeah, and we've seen many stories over over time as well because I was going to come to Mead afterwards. We'll, we'll do that in a second. Let's go back to Derry. Derry, four wins out of um, five. They won lost. They had a two-point reversal down in Kilkenny. They've beaten Cork, who both of us have tipped to win this competition. Um, they put up a big score the last day against Wexford. Um Martin culture seems to have the county behind them, even if the Slotney representation is still only about half a dozen overall. The only thing is injuries are starting to catch up in this Derry team. Um, they had, uh, I think it was Rachel Downey was out injured. Maria Mooney now was examined tied. But the last day against Wexford, they lost um, Marie McNichol and Re- Rebecca Bradley too. And you'd be conservative going forward. I think they'll be good enough to beat Dublin. We'll talk about Dublin in a second. But, you know, it's those games catching up in Derry because there's not much of a break. There will be a week up for an Ireland semi-final, but two-thirds chance it's going to be Cork or Galway. So there's still a long way to go for them. Yeah, and, uh, you know, that would be the only thing, Darren, that, you know, again, they haven't been in this position, you know, too often before. But, you know, we did hear from Shannon last week that, you know, they they, they felt now that they have put themselves in a, in a, in a good place and that they would be able to make... Um, Hey, with that, you know, and, and and I think ultimately a result, as I said, going down to Cork and beating Cork, or sorry, not going to uh, taking Cork a, a, at home, um, 
was 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 an incredible result when as you said when you look at a cork team that has 1268 on its scoreboard you know a plus 48 scoring difference uh, i think that's a phenomenal result from a dairy point of view now i suppose they've got to prove um that they deserve to be ultimately where they are Darren. you know like they they they've got to this as you said this situation now um you know they have to travel it's a bit of a trip all right now to get down to port leash to be able to be involved in this game uh, this coming saturday but look it's a chance to get to, you know a bigger stage uh, the, the next day where they, they get to play in uh, the semi-finals in, in Nolan Park it's going to be another bit of a trip for them but I still think you know looking at the Dublin scenario I still think Derry will have too much for them I just think they they, they, they seem to have a, quite a settled group Darren seem to as he said got the county behind them there's still not a whole lot of Schlock Neil girls involved in, in that sense which again I still find surprising when you consider um, uh, the talent that they have but they, they seem to have their core group among um, some of the other clubs and Swatter is very well represented in it uh, just the one that I can think of off the top of my head right now um, and, and that you know, I think they see on an opportunity and they're on a crest of a wave, Darren. And I think sometimes, even though injuries might come into a group and everything, I think sometimes when you're on a bit of a roll, uh, that can be a big factor as well in being able to get over the line. Yeah, they're the four form team out of the four we're going to see on uh, Saturday. They're playing Dublin in the opening game. Now, look, regardless of Dublin, they're in this position. They're in this position. And again, we've seen plenty of stories in sport before that can unleash a team. Jimmy Greville has, played, has the experience with the time he spent in Cavan as well. He obviously didn't go to Dublin for no reason. He sees tab- talent in the Dublin pool and the work that's been done with it by Adrian O'Sullivan at senior level as well. To be here is a bonus territory for them. I think it's fair to say that too now. They'll try and take advantage of it, but we probably are going to be looking more at Dublin individual players that could step up to senior next year rather than... Um, I can't... Even looking at the results this year, and they took a heavy beating to Galway in the penultimate match. They lost to Kerry by a point. You know... It's it's very hard to see them putting the glove in Derry here as well, but they want to put in a performance. Yeah, but you still would feel though, Darren, when you when you look at some of the results that they that they got, um, like they weren't far off. Like you know, they, they they even in games that they lost, apart from the Galway game, you know, they were they were close, um, close enough encounters. Um, I, I I as I said, I still can't see them winning it because I I, I do think you know it's a development model. A bit like maybe, you know, some of the other second teams that are winning. Like, I think for Dublin, Dublin Camogie, just advancing, you know, the game that they, that, that they're competitive, that, they, that you know, they can sustain two teams and that there's a, uh, how would I put it, you know, a kind of a production line, you know, moving moving along would be, would be a, um, I think, a factor for, for Dublin. And, you know, we've got to see that with with Adrian O'Sullivan. I would imagine he's worked quite closely with, with Jimmy Greville. And as you know, as you rightly pointed out, Jimmy's not in there for, for the sake of it either. You know, I mean, he, he, maybe he sees something uh, going forward. It might just be a year too soon for this, um, for this Dublin second team, I think, Darren, you know, and uh, I just, Again, I would worry. I'm not going to make too much more fuss about it, but with everything that's going on this week and so forth, you know, that can be a kind of take the eye off the ball a little bit. And, you know, I can't imagine this perfect build-up for Dublin either. No, but no doubt they'll focus on the job and hand it to get out there. That's a one thirty in Port Leash on Saturday. Derry against Dublin, live in the Camogie Association YouTube channel. As I mentioned, Dublin, of course, they lost three matches on the field to play the Westmead game, of course, included in that. Same with Kerry, same with me. Let's just look at Kerry first because they started off this campaign with two wins against Leash and Carroll, but then have lost three. Well, actually, no, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm correct myself. They beat Dublin, they've only lost two games. They lost to Westmead and then took a, a disappointing loss to Galway the last they were without Jackie Horgan but Kerry work up a small pool anyway I think only 7 of the 2019 All-Ireland Junior team starters that match as well but you predicted them to make the quarterfinals they can compete and they, like they would have started off this year believing they'll be here you know, and they'll put it up to me to try and get to the semi Oh no, no question. And you know, you you, you have obviously we, we 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 all know um about Kerry and you know their their club setup and how they've been able to challenge obviously at um uh, you know at, at at club level and be able to win all Irelands and 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 so forth. You know, so like this Kerry team, you know, I remember being down in the rag where they kind of got caught by leash. You know, a, a huge score by Leash to level it, and then in extra time, Kerry just kind of lost. Um, I, I, I say a little bit of a run. Um, and and you know, Leash got the the better of a young Leash team that day. Um, you know, Kerry really haven't. I would feel since they won that All Ireland Junior title, Darren haven't probably kicked a little bit. You know, so maybe there's an opportunity uh, here uh, for them to do that. However, again, you know, like. <laughs> 
pool that they operate of sometimes then can get so condensed that while it's great and all as it is down for camaraderie and everything like that I think sometimes it, it, it might start to work against them a little bit in the sense that as you mentioned you know lose Jackie Horgan you know lose um uh, you know any other key uh, partner w- w- within within the group, and all of a sudden questions start to be, you know be raised a little bit. You know, and I'm thinking of Patrice Diggin. Like, let's say Patrice is marked out with a game or something kind of significant, um, is is not able to work for on the day. And we saw that with Clan Morris, you know, in 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 one of the club finals that you know it just didn't flow for on a particular day, and 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 maybe she's then the heartbeat of the Kerry team to be able to uh, drag them kicking a little bit. But look, let's let's not write off Kerry. They, they they still have a good vein of form um behind them, and you know for everything that they've achieved. In recent times, you know, I think that they'll still be at pains. Maybe that, as he said, that quarterfinal loss a couple of years ago to Leash, that, you know, maybe there's an opportunity here again and to be getting back, as I said, into a semi final. And sure, then, Darren, you just, as you said, semi finals are to be won, you know, and, and, and uh, maybe this, it, Kerry might see an opportunity with this clash of green and gold. I just think me, they're coming late here, Darren. That just the, the old form, the steam engine is starting to leave the station, and there's a it's starting to rev up. Well, you know, um, I just think the bounce that they're after getting off the last two games, it's going to be a tough one for Kerry. I think. Yeah, and the timing of the run, as you mentioned earlier, like just looking for matchup with Joy Patrice sticking against Amy Gaffney, Sarah Murphy against Jane Dolan. I'm talking Kerry defenders and Mead attackers. Mead, before we, we wrap up the show. Uh, like we can't forget, they were semi finalists last year. They were Leinster champions this year. They started off the championship poorly with the performance against Derry. Got caught by Wexford, lost out to Cork. There's a valid point what you're making because this is a me team that I think in fair, it's fair to say have overachieved. A couple of years ago, lost out, dropped stats. It's a very competitive midfield. But I mean, this is a me team that we should be talking about as all Ireland contenders. And maybe I did them in the service at the start of the segment when I when I just talked about Derry. But based on the results we've seen, Mead haven't stepped up. But you're you're hinting that maybe they're about to step up now, and there could be an interesting Mead story here before the end of the year. Yeah, maybe maybe the run is just going to come right. I don't like again. I I'd love to find out. I just think when you reflect back on that result down in Cork, you know, it it, it like I said, we we've tipped Cork for the overall All Ireland, but I, you know, I just wonder was there's a, a, a scenario here, like you know that uh, um how would I put it that maybe it something they were coming home on the bus and. You know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you know, something. The penny dropped uh, with regards to that. They they could see that something might be working out for them. You know, and uh, as I said, look, it'll be a, 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 a something as you said that Mead have the experience. You know, of playing on big stages, and they have a lot of those players still. You know, obviously, ultimately involved. You know, and uh, like it's it's with great credit to this. You know, me team that they're able to. Um, you know, maybe turn turn things around. You know that they that, that the championship might have been getting away a little bit on them, Darren, but that they were able to, as he said, take a little bit of control of it, and uh, you know, find themselves in a situation where ultimately they were able to defeat, um, you know, Kilkenny. Like it was just. I think that's a phenomenal result. Um, no question about it. And not just beat, not just beat them, but yeah, that's what beat them like. Yeah, well, like you know, I, I I'm. Like to me, it, it it wasn't a result that I could see. There's no question about it. Um, but like you know, level at half time, who would have thought you know that then that Mead were going to be able to take over the way they did? Now, obviously, I know that uh, uh that 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 Kilkenny, you know, there's been changes within personnel and everything like that, Darren, as well. But like you know, at the end of the day, it's it, it, I think it was a massive result there, uh, for that Mead team against um against Kilkenny. And like when you still look at the group of players that are in there. You know, you're looking at Maggie Randell has been around a long time. Claire Coffey is a soaring star winner. Um, you know, you look at Christina Troy, you're looking at Amy Gaffney, Jane Dolan. God, you know, Jane Dolan has been around a long, long time um, and, and still able to, you know, pull an awful lot of... Yeah, and still able to pull the strings. Aideen Slattery is there involved as well. The panel would have been a name that would have stood out for me before. Um, you know, there, as I said, there's a number of them there within that panel that would have had senior experience. And don't forget, ran a Tipperary team very, very close up in Dunham or Ashburn uh, a number of years ago. Um, so maybe Mead are just timing it 
just right. You know, now I wouldn't, as I said, in any case or scenario, write off Kerry, uh, whatever, because you know, Mert, I'll have my Nick uh, in a new, you know, later on if I <laughs> if I if I go too hard on uh, on, on on Kerry Camogie, because I as I said at the end of the day, it's I think for what everything that Kerry Camogie does, it's phenomenal, and to be able to, as I said, achieve a club all Ireland level and so forth. But I just think that maybe Mead's form is just a little bit ahead of what Kerry are at. And uh, like, you know, Kerry have got great results. Don't get me wrong, Darren, and, and, and have to be taken seriously. I, I just think that ultimately that, uh, you know, Kerry find themselves up against a more difficult opponent, uh, I, I, I think, than maybe that they've encountered um, so far. But look, um, there's going to be Still a lot to play for there. You know, I'm, I'm sure Julian O'Keefe, uh, Michelle Coslo, Patrice Diggin, uh, Aoife Bean, you know, just throwing out a couple of names there to remember from uh, recent games that I, I would have seen with Kerry. You know, Rachel McCarthy is a, is a fair operator and captain in that team at wing back also. Like, it won't be, it won't be easy for Mead. I just think, looking at the results and when we haven't seen them, you can only pin it on reports that you've read that maybe something happened in Castle Road that day um, for for this Mead team and uh, it might be just starting to fall into place at the right time. So Derry and Mead are predictions for the Glendimplex All-Ireland Senior Intermediate Camogie quarterfinals taking place on Saturday 1.30 I'm W. Moore Park Port Leash Derry against Dublin 4 o'clock uh, Kerry against Mead and we look forward to bringing you uh, more t- chat about that next week that's it for Sports Dance Camogie this week a busy show let us know what you thought about what we said let us know if you fancy having a dig I don't mind you know what I mean but well, either way show respect that's the most important thing I'd like to thank Emma Martin for joining us earlier on and of course instead of our normal outro music we're going to be hearing Sarah's song Egoni on uh, again to finish off the show as well and we're so honoured to be able to play that twice here on Sports as Camogie this week next week we'll be previewing the senior quarterfinals Waterford against Limerick and Kilkenny against Dublin we can't wait hard to believe we're in a month of the All-Ireland final with that being said hope you enjoyed the show I'm Darren Kelly this was Sports as Camogie I'd like to thank my partner in crime one last time Killian Whelan Thanks indeed, Darren. The best of luck to all the teams competing uh, this weekend and we'll talk to you next week. Sock me.